Well, 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 what have we here? Listeners, well, hello and welcome. So, in case you didn't know, though perhaps you might have suspected, you're listening to Dream Infringement, which is composed of three long-time friends, Jennifer, which is me, Bobby and Emily, radio couple extraordinaire. Yes, and our show is a feast for the senses, if that sense is sound. Let our sound waves entertain you this Monday evening. You may know of Charles Dickens, who famously wrote A Tale of Two Cities with its catchy opening line of, It was the best of times, it was the worst of times. But researchers have recently found a draft that shows that Dickens had a much different book in mind originally. Yes, not the dramatic goings-on of London and Paris during the French Revolution. No, no. It was Dickens trying to figure out what he wanted to make for dinner that night. Truly a sorely perplexing problem that he grappled with extensively. So let's read that first draft paragraph that was revised later to the one that we were all familiar with. It was the best of recipes. It was the worst of recipes. It was the age of influencers. It was the age of last chef standing. It was the copycat curry salad of belief. It was the epoch of my Pinterest board. It was the season of Himalayan salt. It was the season of the charcuterie. It was the rotisserie chicken of hope. It was the rum ham of despair. We had all the eggs before us, then we had no eggs before us. We were all going direct to zoodles. We were all going direct to costly organic options. In short, the food was so far like the present period that some of its noisiest authorities insisted on cauliflower pizza crust being received for good or forever in the superlative degree of comparison. Wow, so yeah, Dickens was really ahead of his time, knowing all about social media and charcuterie boards, but um, you might have guessed our theme, maybe, uh, the best of meals that we've made and the worst of meals that we've made. Uh, It's about our cooking adventures collectively, so we'll just uh, dish up some stories uh, of some of our successes and failures uh, in the kitchen. Here's Louis Jordan and the Timpani Five with Beans and Cornbread. You might recognize this song because it used to play in the late 90s and early 2000s for the show on TBS called Dinner in a Movie. Uh, those sure were the days, weren't they? If you've listened to this show for any amount of time, you might have gathered that I'm a big appreciator, a big fan of Korean culture, and that includes the food. It starts, though, if you're somewhat addicted to K-dramas, in that most of them have very gratuitous food scenes where they are ecstatic about vegetables and they're always trying to feed each other. They're always eating. Like, it's very food-centric a lot of the time. And 
the more you watch the K-dramas, the more you want to experience the same thing, to eat what they're eating that they seem so excited about. Some of it, I'm sure, is just acting, but a lot of the food is really, really good. And I feel like there's a definite trend coming. I'm seeing like more and more like ingredients and things in like different stores, even like grocery stores and Trader Joe's and things like that, where, you know, they have like gochujang and um, some of like bulgogi and different, like I found tteokbokki and hotak at Trader Joe's even, and that's like unheard of previously. So it's definitely like a, a wave, a food wave that is, that is coming but to make like Korean food at home, they have so many different little like small side dishes called banchan. So you have like a bowl of rice and then you have all of these little side dishes, vegetables, meat, and everything is seasoned on its own. Even if you're going to be making something like chapjae or uh, bibimbap, you're still going to season all the th- everything separately um, and then mix it together. A lot of their meat, like Korean barbecue, is kind of sweet and savory or sweet savory and spicy or savory and spicy and then they also have some of like the the sourness from like the kimchi and everything and it just it comes together quite nicely and I like how they season their vegetables I struggle to eat vegetables I don't like how they taste Korean vegetable recipes are a little bit more palatable uh, because you're giving them a lot of flavor like for each individual vegetable <laughs> you're giving attention to it and I think that makes it really tasty and when I make and share Korean food it feels like just a big hug um, there's something about it that's just very warm and filling and it's also kind of exciting because there's so many little dishes to choose from and you can kind of spend time making the perfect bite Uh, My favorite website to go to for recipes has always been Korean Bopsang, which is B-A-P-S-A-N-G. It's a lady originally from Korea who lives in the States, and she gives really detailed recipes, including like the history and the origin of the recipes and kind of like how they would enjoy those recipes growing up and like I follow her on some social media and sometimes I've been like I've tried this this was a good recipe and she always responds like she's really she seems like a kind person to me so um and the other style of food that I'm like not bad at is Mexican like the the basics you know rice and beans guacamole enchiladas soft tacos fajitas those kind of things um have this great crock pot recipe for beans where like you have to soak them overnight and I'm just really proud of making healthy styled refried beans from scratch and no one has ever matched my level of enthusiasm about this I'm like I have made crock pot refried beans and they taste good and like I I have produced something edible from that hardened bag of beans that no one knows what to do with sometimes ta-da and people are not impressed by this as much as I feel that they should be. I am, I'm just tooting my own horn here. I have not gotten the validation that I have sought in life over this. So I'm manifesting. That's what I'm doing. 
but it's it's really nice to make something and actually have it turn out tasting good. It feels like such an accomplishment, like you're succeeding at adulting in some way. I make mediocre food all the time while watching so many Instagram accounts of food that like look really good and they make it look really easy, but somehow it, it isn't. Or maybe I make things and they taste exactly how they're supposed to taste. I just don't happen to like it. Was it my fault? Was it the recipe's fault? Sometimes I'll never know. Uh, And I don't know. (laughs) I just know I don't like it. I'm probably not going to finish eating it. And I'll never make it again. Yes. So those are kind of where I I succeed in cooking. And there's definite room for improvement. Lots and lots of improvement. So the song I'm going to play is a Korean song. It just came out this month. And it's by Taeyong and then featuring Jimin from BTS. And it's kind of exciting. Like, Taeyong was part of Big Bang, who I've heard rumors that they might be making a comeback. But he had a lot of really successful songs, like solo. And he's a really good performer, good singer. And he hadn't released anything since he got discharged from military service back in 2019. So we haven't heard from him for a while and he dropped, I guess, kind of a comeback making a song. And then he's paired up with Jimin, who does like a lot of the writing and composing for BTS. So, and their group is a little disjointed at the moment because Jin just went into military service and Sugar is also supposed to be soon to follow and he'll be because of injuries he can't be like in the like active duty military part he'll be more like of a like civil service civilian e I have forgotten the terms for it uh, <laughs> more of a desk job and so one by one all the members are going to be uh, having to complete that it takes about 18 months And so it's a good time for them to sort of branch out on some of their solo work because they can't do it as a group. So anyway, this is Vibe. I've had many good meals in my lifetime. And I think part of what makes a good meal for me is not just the food, but the company. So having your best friends and family uh, that make you feel good (laughs) around you and enjoying good things to eat is like one of the most wonderful gifts I think we can receive in this world. First, I want to shout out to some great meals that have been made for me. So the first one that I can think of is when our first son, Weston, was born. And if you have like good community around you and you have a baby, then usually there's going to be a handful of people that want to make you meals, um, dinner, specifically is like a major one I think and and there's just nothing nicer than when you're going through postpartum part of having a child and you're exhausted 
and you're home from the hospital and you're kind of like, you know, settling into your new familial responsibilities and someone brings you a nice hot dinner. There's just nothing, nothing like it. Um, and one of our dear friends, um, she brought us a meatloaf with couscous and salad. And for whatever reason, that combination of, of food just stuck with me and Bobby. And that is now like a go-to dinner of ours when we are kind of like running out of ideas. We're like, you know, it'd be really good meatloaf and couscous and salad. Or sometimes we'll have a steak, you know, depending on how we're feeling. Um, so that that's like remained one of our, our most favorite dinners of all time. Just those memories of, of having good friends bringing you things when you need it the most. It's, it's wonderful. Um, the other meal that uh, stands out a great deal in my mind is um, when Jennifer, who co-hosts the show with us, she brought over just this huge Korean spread. And I think I've talked about this before, but it was just so like memorable to me because it, they were flavors that I was not accustomed to and they blended so well together and there were just so many little dishes and different things to try. And she had like these lunch pails of Tupperware full of food. It was just, it was so glorious and wonderful. And of course, Jennifer is great company. Um, and it was just, all of it came together so wonderfully. And then I asked her for every single recipe that she had uh, that went into that dinner and she gave it to me. And so on occasion, I too will, will make it, but it's hard not to like make it a whole, make every single thing because, um, like that's how it is in my head. Like we need to have this entire Korean dinner spread. Um, but it, that's not always practical. Um, but I can't help but feel like a little disappointed if I just make a couple of those things. It's like, we have to make all of it. So those are some really uh, memorable meals that other people have made for me and Bobby. Now, one of the best meals I've ever made happens to be called engagement chicken. Engagement chicken is purported to be so delicious that uh, should you make it for your beloved, your beloved will propose to you and you will be engaged it doesn't promise marriage but it does promise an engagement now i've made turkey which was a bit daunting but it, it turned out well um and for some reason i had always been afraid to make a whole chicken why would a turkey to me be easier to make than a chicken i don't know i guess it's just because I know what turkey is supposed to look like when it's cooked all the way through and people make them a lot. Uh, but at least in my family and growing up and just my experiences did not lend themselves to like making entire chickens, except for like the rotisserie chickens at Costco. Those are like, those are the only time I'm really face to face with a, uh, a chicken in that form. 
So at the beginning of dream infringement, where it all began, we were having a lot of dinners, a lot of late nights, talking, planning, being creative. And oftentimes it would be at um, our place and we would either make dinner or pick up some takeout. And I I stumbled across this recipe for engagement chicken and I thought, well, of course I have to make it because there's a funny little story that goes along with it, which is that in the 1980s, somebody who worked for Glamour magazine made this chicken recipe and then her boyfriend proposed to her shortly afterward. And so it was like, oh, hilarious engagement chicken. It's so good. Uh, People want to get engaged to you. And... Yeah, it just, it, it did, it, it charmed me. So I decided to make it for the other Dream Infringement members. And it's a pretty simple recipe. It's just a roasted chicken with like some lemon and garlic and I think like rosemary. And I made it with a side of Parmesan baby potatoes and some kind of vegetable, but I can't remember what it was. It might have just been a salad because I think usually that's what I do when there's a lot of effort put into the rest of the meal because salads are usually pretty easy to throw together real quick. So while engagement chicken is not a guarantee of marriage or engagement, here are some celebrities that made this recipe and I mean they're engaged if not married at this point. So there's Emily Blunt and she made it for John Krasinski. They've been married since, I don't know, 2009. Oh no, they got engaged in 2009. Meghan Markle made it for Prince Harry, and Howard Stern. Oh, he didn't make it. Oh, I was really hoping that he was the one that made it, because so far it's just been women. Okay, his long-term girlfriend, Beth Ostrowski, made engagement chicken for Howard Stern. And now they are engaged. I don't know if they got married. I didn't Google it. (sighs) Well, if you're into chicken and you are looking to get hitched and you make this for someone, please let us know how it works out for you. I would love to hear it. And maybe there's like an engagement tofu or something like that out there for those of you that are vegetarian or vegan. I'm sure there's there's some kind of uh, vegan engagement something somewhere. And if not, make one up. First comes love, then engagement chicken, then engagement, and then you'll find yourself in the chapel, the chapel of love. Here's the chapel of love by the Dixie Cups. Hi, Bobby here. So I got to thinking about my favorite meal and I was trying to determine uh, certain memories that I had that 
had to do with mills that were positive experiences. Uh, and I realized that that's how I frame a good mill, that I, I frame it based on the experience. So a mill will generally be bad if the experience or the environment was not was not good. Uh, and a mill can be really great to me if the environment or just like the context in which I had the mill was positive. It was a good mill in that sense. So I was thinking about some of my favorite mills because I couldn't just land on one. They're attached to these really beautiful memories. I mean, the food is not bad. It's it's good. It's good. And the place is good, too. Uh, I guess if you really chose like a really terrible uh, restaurant or a terrible place with really bad service, I would probably be focused on the negativity of that moment rather than maybe the positive context of, of when I had it. So so I guess in that way it could you know, that could dictate, you know, whether I would consider it to be a positive or a negative mill, good or a bad mill. Uh, but in these cases they were positive and the food again was was good. Uh, and so one of the uh, occasions that comes to mind is this time that my sister Odessa's, who has uh, guested on the show on Dream Infringement over the years uh, several times, but uh, she was visiting me from Arizona, sunny Arizona, and uh, she was like staying with Emily and I, and we were you know, enjoying her company and she was, you know, with us for, for several days. And of course we had our two, we, our two boys, they existed at this point. They still exist, but there was a time before children, uh, when we could go out and eat as much as we want, whenever we wanted. And we could do it without a care in the world. Things are different when you have kids. People who have children know what I'm talking about, especially little children. There, there is a considerable amount of work um, in not just training your children to be able to enjoy the restaurant experience, but uh, also helping them to appreciate it and just the, you know, the little things that you have to be aware of when you sit down at a table, like how close is the salt shaker and the pepper shaker to your toddler who loves to grab things and put them in his mouth. So you have to like think in those terms as a parent. Uh, but Odessa's my sister, she was staying with us and we, we decided to ask her to watch our two beautiful boys for us to babysit just for a short time and uh, it's not something that we did often. Usually we did a lot of things as a family. But at this point, we were kind of like, let's have Odessa's watch them and, and let's go and just get a quick coffee at the you know nearby coffee shop. And so we did that. And it was so nice because we ended up actually having ordering some food and we sat down and um, I had one of those like 
a breakfast like breads with an egg cooked on it i don't even know what you would call that but it was bread and eggs and it was so good and and we had coffee drinks and we just sat there and we talked about you know nothing particularly interesting just kind of got to spend that time together uh without our children and it was a beautiful thing to me especially looking back because we felt so comfortable doing that we knew our children were safe and we knew that the time that we were spending together was helpful for us was going to be a nice like way to fill up our cups and fill up our cups we did with coffee so the song that i chose for this nice uh experience this this good mill that i would consider consider to be a good mill is a song that was playing at the coffee shop while we were sipping on our nice coffee drinks and i was eating my egg bread or whatever it is it was called and that song is continental breakfast by kurt vile and courtney barnett it's a duet and it's great enjoy i cherish my intercontinental friendships we talk it over continental breakfast in a hotel in east bumble wherever the worst thing i ever made which looking back on it i question my life choices in like why i saw this recipe and decided that i needed to try and make it I was young, I was foolish, I was culinarily inexperienced. What can I say? I found this weird crockpot recipe for Swiss steak that had tapioca in it, tapioca pearls, and I was intrigued. Oh, <laughs> surely there must be some kind of amazing thing that happened when you add this to a, a meaty dish. Um, and it was disgusting. It somehow rendered the tomatoes into something else, like tomatoes, but really angry ones. The texture, the color, the smell, the taste, it was absolutely inedible. I should have known that meat and tapioca pearls aren't a popular combination because no one ever talks about it. No one ever goes to a fancy restaurant and is like, I had the Swiss steak with the tapioca pearls and it was chef's kiss. No, that doesn't happen. And Swiss steak originally didn't have that ingredient. Usually it called for kind of a, a tough cut of meat that you tenderized the heck out of it and then made up with like a, a gravy that was with or without tomatoes. And hardly any of the recipes call for tapioca pearls. So I don't know why that was an ingredient that was added. Um, I had a book of recipes and that was in it and I was just kind of going through and trying to make different things. Apparently the dish doesn't need it. It wasn't originally ever prepared that way and it is definitely not bringing anything to the flavor party. So I think that was probably the most disgusting thing that I ever tried making and regretted. 
I feel like I have a hard time cooking and baking, but in this case, more with cooking. Um, with having like some hypersensitivity and some OCD while cooking, it really has its its challenges. I tend to overcook meat because I'm always afraid it's going to be raw. Uh, I just got a meat thermometer, a new one, killed my old one. And so hopefully that helps somewhat to give me a, a sense of security that I'm not going to give myself food poisoning. And sometimes I'm cooking and I just get the ick. Like, for instance, there's this recipe for gyros. I don't know if you know what that is. It's like kind of a, a flavorful meat in a pita with tzatziki sauce and um, sometimes like lettuce and tomatoes and feta cheese at times. And I always thought gyros meat was like some sort of lamb hawk or something. But that big barrel-sized portion of meat spinning around vertically on a pole thing that they carve the gyros meat out of f from for you is really hard to explain <laughs> if you've never seen one <laughs> it's it's like a mixed meat sickle it's seasoned and blended greek meatloaf I, I, I guess but you have to blend meat that's right you have to put <laughs> raw ground meat in a blender and season it and and cook it and like the taste is great it tastes like, you know, what you could get at a restaurant or a place that serves them. But when you have to blend raw meat, like that is so disgusting. And my brain is just like, no, this is to a level of grotesque and we can't eat this even though we spent all this time preparing it. That makes me food wasteful and that makes me feel guilty. My other issue is that I have a really hard time not getting my hair in things. Like I put it all back in a bun and yet I always find a hair in something. Despite like my best efforts, my hair just ends up where it ought not to be. Like good old home cooking with a side of DNA. And sometimes I'll get something like take out to eat and bring home and I'll open it and still find my hair in it. Like in the few seconds that it was exposed to the world, my hair was just wafting around, settling on things. I don't know. And it is my hair. My hair is like unique enough that it's obviously mine, not the person behind the counter. It's it's my hair I, and it's everywhere. And I, I don't understand because I take effort I take precautions to make sure this exact scenario doesn't happen and it just repeatedly happens and I haven't given up maybe I should just give up and just like if someone comes over to eat just be like hey it probably has my hair in it I mean it's clean I washed it that doesn't make it better though does it so yeah <laughs> some <laughs> cooking uh, hazards from yours truly this song is Eat Steak by the Reverend Horton Heat. Sure, eat steak. Don't eat the Swiss steak, though, with the tapioca. That's He didn't sing a song about that, but um, and most people probably don't need to be told to not do that. Uh, I just happened to learn the hard way on that one. Eat steak, eat steak, eat a big old steer. Eat steak, eat steak, do we have one? 
say that I have ever made an entire meal that wasn't good. I, maybe I have, but just nothing's coming to mind at the moment. But there have been um, at least three instances, all of which I will explain to you, where I have failed miserably at making something. Um, the first one was that my first time making hummus, I got it in my head that the recipe called for tamari and not tahini. So I made a whole batch of hummus with basically soy sauce <laughs> instead of a sesame seed paste. And then I served it to some friends that came over and they were like, this is different. And, um, I explained the recipe and they were like, I think you meant to put, you're meant to put tahini in it and not tamari. And I was embarrassed. Um, so that was a fail. <laughs> the other one was chocolate chip cookies. I have a really hard time making a good batch of chocolate chip cookies, like good in the way that I want them because I want it kind of like flat and chewy, but mine are either, mine always come out fluffy. I don't know what I'm doing wrong. If you have a good chocolate chip recipe for me, please send it, send it to Dream Infringement somehow. We're easy to find on the internet. You can do it. But this particular time I was tasked with making chocolate chip cookies for a group of friends. They were having a movie night and I, um, I said I was tasked with, but I'm pretty sure I volunteered. <laughs> I tasked myself with uh, making cookies and I was like, how, I just, I didn't even think about it. It's, cookies should be easy, right? Not for me. Um, the first batch I burned, the second batch, I'm not sure what happened. I ended up making three batches of cookies, and the third one ended up being, like, decent. Um, my third story is about some scones that I made one time. Uh, I was following this, this recipe. This one is not, this one's not my fault, because I was following a recipe, and I didn't mix up ingredients in my head. I didn't put anything weird in it, except that the recipe called for like three tablespoons of baking soda, which to me sounded excessive. And it was because those scones tasted terrible and they were really disappointing because they smelled so good baking in the oven. And we had a whole day planned where we actually had like a Zoom conference and it was on a Saturday and I was thinking like, okay, how can I make this like kind of exciting for us? Cause the kids are going to have to be around. And I was like, I'll make scones. So I was getting everyone all hyped about scones and then I ruined them. And you take that bite and you're like, mm, this is good. Oh no, this is bitter. This is terrible. It tastes like baking soda. So those are the, the three things that I, that I can think of that I, that did not go well. Um, hummus I have made multiple times since the first time I made it and I did it right. So I know how to make hummus now. The chocolate chip cookies, that's still a battle. 
Um, and scones, like, I can pull together pretty well as long as there's not too much baking soda. So the song I chose is by The Cookies, and it's called Don't Say Nothing Bad About My Baby. Don't say nothing bad about my baby. All right, listeners, I'm going to tell you about my worst meal. My worst meal was when I was away from home, uh, home meaning home where my family of origin lives. And I had to be away from home for a few months. And I was extremely homesick. And the reason why I would refer to it as my worst meal is because, not because, of its taste or how well it was cooked but um just because of the context of the meal i just had a hard time eating because it reminded me of the fact that i had no family near me and i was alone and it made me depressed and sad and i didn't want to eat so those meals were so much of a buzzkill that I put them in the category of bad meals, even though they were probably really good. And I have a song that I chose for this story, but we're going to sign off. And oh, Emily, she just came in the room. This is going to be great. She can join me and I don't have to do this by myself. Watch. Here's her voice. I'll prove it. Oh, hi. Yep. That was not me disguising my voice as Emily. I couldn't sound as nice as she does. Oh, what a guy. So we're signing off. I know, I know. Get back. You need to stop yelling at your radio. That's not appropriate. I know you don't want this show to end. I know that you're not ready, but don't worry. Just hang tight. Another show is going to make you completely forget about this show. It's coming up next on KSKQ. And if you just wait another week, you will hear our show next Monday with entirely new theme, idea, and material. Yeah, he, he speaks truth. Um, there is something I would like to address. Yes. I would like to say that there are not many things that I, as a programmer here at KSKQ, am allowed to... Um, prompt you to do okay we can't make calls to action but i encourage you strongly encourage you to go to kskq.org and donate some money donate like a starbucks venti frappuccinos worth of money to kskq that's all Also, yeah, we'll see you next week. (laughs) Yeah, we will. And I also want to take this opportunity to thank and show my appreciation to all of the programmers and all of the people pulling strings and making things happen behind the scenes on KSKQ on this lovely little Ashland-based community radio station. Uh, We love all of you, and we're just so glad to be in this family. And you can also be part of the family by donating to KSKQ, uh, yeah, you, the, you own a part of us uh, in that's, some way. 
that's not true. You, you, but you can contribute, you, and your contributions are much appreciated. Yeah, you will own a part of me. I promise you that. You can put that in writing. Just record this, then have it dictated by your secretary onto a piece of paper and bring it to me and then pay me a million dollars and I'll sign it. It's, it's that easy. That easy. Oh, boy. Um, Bobby, what song are we playing um, to end our show? Yes. Um, so it's to I, I'm, I chose it to pair with my negative experienced mill, my bad mill, however you want to frame it fit it into the theme it works and the song that i chose is by the oh hellos and it's called eat you alive enjoy and we'll see you on the airwaves through your ears next monday can't wait good night everyone Every once in a while at Dream Infringement, we underestimate the amount of time it takes to make a show, and we have a few seconds left, and we say goodbye, but that wasn't the real goodbye, but this right here is the real goodbye, and I hope that you have a wonderful week. I hope that good things come to you, and I hope that you spread um, joy and love and kindness to everyone that you meet and yourself too, because we can all afford to be a little more uh, joyful and kind and loving to ourselves and those around us. Okay, this is the real goodbye. Goodbye, everyone. We'll see you next week. Bye.